Hey, 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 welcome to the Wealth and Business Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by Luke Hustler, all the way from Michigan, United States of America. And uh, he's going to be sharing his success story, his journey from the ordinary to the extraordinary. And we're going to be giving you a lot of tips and tricks on how to build a business, how to go from literally nothing into building a multi-million dollar, multi-million pound business. Now, Luke Hustler has done over 10 million in sales in social media. So he's going to be sharing a lot of tips how he basically you know, dominated the digital marketing industry. And yeah, without further ado, I want to really welcome you, Luke. How's it doing, my man? How's it going, bro? I'm doing amazing, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Great, great. I'm so super excited and fired up on this particular episode. You started your business empire at the age of 19 and you're right now just an, about, about 30 years old. You've done That's so right. amazingly well for yourself. You know, how did this all begin? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, I think when I when I reflect back on my journey, everything really started with my parents. You know, I, I think I'm the luckiest man on the planet to be born with mm. incredible fa- 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 parents. Um, they had a very high standard for me my entire life. And so whether it was in school, whether it was in sports, you know, if I got an A minus in something, the question was, hey, why, why didn't we get an A? What could we have done better in order to make it more likely for us to get an A next time? If I got a second place in a ski race or something, it was like, why didn't you get first? You know, where could you have worked harder and things like that? And so I think that when I was really young, what was ingrained in me is this expectation to become successful and this expectation to be excellent and this expectation that whatever other people have done, I can go out there and do. And so my parents Mm. really instilled this belief in me, again, that if I just treat other people right, keep God first, I can happy or do anything I want in this world. And so I had this belief going up. And then when I'm growing up, I'm trying to figure out what do I actually want to go and do? Because if I can do anything, I got to freaking decide what the thing is. And I had two desires and two things pulling me. So the first thing I wanted to do is like, I wanted to help a lot of people. And that was really inspired by my aunt, who at the time was the director of the Peace Corps. She was hand chosen by Obama to be able to have that position. She was actually the reason I was able to go to Africa, spend some time there. And um, and it just, it, it impacted me in a very unique way. And, and I got so much joy, you know, from going out there and doing that. And so I wanted to help people, you know, because of that influence within my life. But then I had another influence in my life and this was my uncle. And he was extremely, extremely wealthy, like, you know, has estates and resorts and all of these different types of things. And and he always taught me that money in this world is kind of like oxygen in the sense that you need it to go out there and live. He said that like money doesn't buy happiness, but what it does is it gives you options, right? And options let you choose if you want to give to the charity or if you don't want to, if you want that car, if you don't want that car. And so it's like, you got to go out there and get yourself some money. And so my whole life, I thought I had to choose between going and making a ton of money or going and helping a bunch of people. And I was kind of like, I was kind of had this kind of like, I guess, cognitive dissonance going out of my mind until when I was at Michigan State University at, I think it was 19 at the time, like you mentioned, I met a guy who was 25 making 40 G's a month. And this dude wasn't that smart. He didn't have a college degree, but he was making 40 grand a month online. And I just looked at him. I'm like, dude, if if he can do that, I can go out there and do that. And so in that moment, I made a decision that I was going to do whatever it takes to go out there and make a bunch of money online, which has kind of led me into this 10 year journey now of being a digital entrepreneur. Wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. But there's a few things that you you you, you know you mentioned there. Your auntie was at that time working for Obama, was giving a lot of inspiration. Your uncle is also a multimillionaire, you know, you know, has been able to inspire you to become the greatest version of yourself. Now, a lot of kids at your age 19 to run about 24, literally, you know, especially in the days in these days and age, 
most 18 years, most 19 years, most times don't really focus on entrepreneurship. You know, one of the things that they want to always do is, you know, I want to go to school, I want to go and get a job, you know, and especially in the Western community. But for me, as an African, when I was growing back in Nigeria, at the age of 16, I was already introduced to entrepreneurship. Now, what is the one advice that you would give to your 19 years old, you, when all these different things started right now, that obviously made you to become the greatest version of yourself? And what as well would you give to a current 19 years old that is listening to this podcast? Mm, really good question. So for me, the reason that I was so focused and the reason that I got into entrepreneurship was, was quite frankly out of desperation. So I hit a low in my life when I was in 19 because when I went to college at Michigan State, I, I really just partied my entire freshman year. And because um, school wasn't that hard for me. I could do really well in school and like not try that hard. And so I drank a lot, quite frankly. And um, I got in trouble three different times for drinking underage in the United in, in the US. And in my family, all right, this is like Christian conservative family like you know like it was like I murdered somebody okay and so I was like I was like the black sheep of my family and I remember this moment I was in the drunk tank okay 19 years old and I remember looking in this nasty mirror that was in front of me it was all like kind of fogged up and just like nasty and grungy and then like there was two other people in the drunk tank with me one dude over here was passed out he puked you know and he was like sleeping in his own puke this other person just looked like he hadn't showered in three days and I had to make a phone call because everyone gets a phone call when you're in jail, right? And I had to make a phone call to my mom and ask her to bail me out of jail because I didn't have any money. And so this was after, this is my third time getting in trouble. And the first two times I promised her, I'm never going to do this again. Trust me, I've changed, da, 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 da. And I didn't actually go out there and change. And so this was that moment where I just hit, quite frankly, rock bottom and rock bottom. And I remember looking in that freaking nasty mirror and seeing the person that was looking back at me. And I was just like, who even are you? You are throwing away all the potential you have. Every every God-given gift that you've been given, you're just squandering it. And so I made a decision in that moment that I was going to be successful. I was going to prove myself, my family, everybody. I didn't know how. I didn't know what. This is before I met, you know, the 25-year-old making 40 grand a month. I just knew I was going to go out there and make it, and I had to hit the reset button. And so for me, when I'm giving advice to people who are young, um, I had to, I had to touch the pan and, and get burned. Okay. You know, like, and that's what made me change. They say that like when the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change, then you change. And for me, my pain of my situation was so bad. I was overweight. I, I wasn't, I was, I was a, I was an embarrassment to my family. I was, my grades were okay, but it was like, what was I really even going to school for? I wasn't taking it serious or anything like that. And I was in this really bad place. And so if I'm giving advice to anybody who is 19 and 20, I know like right now you think everything is fine. You don't have to worry about things, da, 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 da. But what I would really encourage you to go out there and do is just have a hard evaluation of your life, you know, and you got to look at your bank account. You got to look at your body. You got to look at your friend group. You got to look at your mindset. You got to look at your skill set and ask yourself, 
am I actually prepared to win in the marketplace? Because we live in an ultra competitive society. And it's like, if you are not competitive, if you have not learned these things, even though you think you may have time, society tells you you have time, you really freaking don't, okay? And so it's like, if you can figure out a way, at least for me, when I figured out a way to feel so much pain in my situation that I was like, never again am I gonna be in this situation, that is what personally propelled me to get to the next next level. But I'll say this, I do have some friends where it was the exact opposite. It wasn't pain that triggered them to change, it was actually inspiration. They saw the potential of, you know, having a nice car, having the nice house, doing what they want, when they want, flying first class, you know, experience in the greatest cuisines all over the world, right? And eating amazing foods, partying in the coolest clubs. And that inspiration is what pulled them to actually go and make a change. So I think that if you're young and you're watching this, you have to take some self-reflection and ask yourself, what motivates you more? Is it looking at your pain and getting disgusted about it to the point where you just can't live with it anymore? Or is it focusing so much on the dream and on the vision that it pulls you to go out there and take action? But I think those are the two triggers that actually create change. You know, quite very interesting what you said right there. You know, for example, I'll give, I'll give a very typical example. In the UK here, you know, the crime rate is usually quite very high from the ages of about 13, 14, 15, all the way to around about 24. Crime rate are usually very high. That's when you see kids basically, you know, having to, to be part of something that they're not really proud of, they know. But however, they continue just because of peer pressure. So you have gun crimes, you have drugs crime, you have all the different types of crime that it's literally out there in the UK. So I don't really know about the US, but I think if I'm quite right, the UK and the US kind of, they're like brother and sister, they're like aunties and they're like auntie and uncle, cousin to cousin, yeah. first cousin. They kind of do, you know, it's, it's a bit married up into each other. Although the United States obviously is a bit more advanced in certain things. And obviously the UK is a bit of a laid back auntie or the laid back uncle because of how our society is. But well, the truth is peer pressure has been one of the greatest things that has led either, you know, to let it, you know, let either a young person who is at the age of 19 to success, to greatness by becoming maybe a social influencer, you know, a, an act creator, a YouTuber, which is something that is quite very, 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 you know, um, popular these days where social media has actually promoted a lot of young kids these days. Unlike before, you know, kids were literally out there. The only thing that can actually promote them was things like football and probably becoming an athlete or all these different type of things. But obviously social media has taken a whole lot of new dimension. Now, as a 19 year old, you know, when I was growing up in my age, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a bit older now. I mean, I'm 43 years old, right? So at my age, at the age of 16 to around about the age of 22, the only thing my parents always told me was, go to school and get good grades. It wasn't about the money I can make because they provided all of that for me. Like, okay, don't worry, we're gonna pay your school fees. Don't worry, we'll give you a little bit of pocket money. But now, coming to obviously what your age it was at that time that you go into entrepreneurship, because I'm just trying to figure out, you know, in a Western world, for example, I've been in the West, but I have a lot of African background. So I'm gonna relate from African background to the UK and obviously to the United States of America. Because what I'm trying to understand here as a parent, I've got a 15 years old you know, son, all right? And my role to my son is to grow him up so that he can go into you know, helping in the family legacy to scale that up and grow that up, right? So as a 19 year old, peer pressure in the UK is crime. Very, very high, especially, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a black man as well, right? I'm a black guy. And within the black 
community. It's crime, killing, youth fighting and killing rather than actually youth coming together to create. Then heavy use of drugs and all of these things. And I'm sure as well, if we also flip the script around and look what's happening in the United States of America, it's quite the same because this is an age whereby between the ages of about 14, round about the age of 24, it's a very, very high volatile age to crime. But you obviously went into that. You, you, know, you got yourself into trouble lots of times. You used as well and you were overweight. And yet, a couple of years later, you have done personally $10 million in sales just before the age of 30. That for me is absolutely inspirational, you know, regardless of color, regardless of who you are. But again, you was also, all right, from a very well-to-do family. And a lot of kids at that age wouldn't want to do so much for themselves Rather, they just want to go to mom's and dad's bank at all the time. So there must be a lot of transformation and a whole lot of things that was going around in your head that's actually allowed you to now build this business, you know, digital marketing, PR company, and offering so many different services to entrepreneurs that literally got you get started at the age of 19. So I really want you to go deep into this, you know, apart from the fact, what, were, what, what was your mindset like? What was the struggles you know, what was the setbacks? How did your family literally let believe in you? I want to hear all of this. Yeah, yeah, really good questions. So for me, really good questions. And by the way, man, for 43, you're looking freaking amazing. All right. So I'm going to need some advice on how I can look like that at 43. Um, but but secondly is so I'm going to touch on a couple of things that you said there. So. From coming from a really great, you know, a well-to-do family, I will say this is that I've seen two different kind of people from that come from well-to-do families. Number one is people like you talked about who just, they don't, they're not hungry. They don't have the desire. They don't have the ambition because they're comfortable. It's like, all right, if I don't do anything, it's fine. My family's got money. I'm going to be okay. For me, I was the exact opposite of that. I always felt like I was in a shadow. I always felt like, like I, I was always being judged and looked at through the lens of my family. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to make a name for myself. I didn't want to have to rely on them. I didn't want to take any money from them. I didn't want anything. And, and I used that as motivation for me to be able to go and create. And so I think that is an important distinction. Number one, um, number two is my mindset when I was first getting started in this again, was, was quite frankly, a mindset of desperation. Um, my environment that was around me was not conducive to success. You mentioned it, you know, there's a lot of, there was a lot of partying, there was drug use. There's a lot of like these things that were going on that were not going to be able to help you go and become successful. And so what I made a conscious decision of, and I remember making this moment is that I was going to make my environment become a reflection of me rather than me becoming a reflection of my environment because, and, and that's possible. Everyone has that ability. And so at Michigan State University, when I was at, there wasn't any people that were getting together talking about entrepreneurship, business, affiliate marketing, anything like that. But I ended up starting a club on campus that ended up being the third biggest club on campus in 90 days. We had over a thousand members in this club and everything was around personal development, business, success, da, 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 da. So I curated this environment to be able to help me really grow. And the way that I got the vast majority of my inspiration was really really by going and seeing other people who have done it. I think that social media is a double-edged sword because oftentimes it can create distractions with people. It can be 
fake dopamine hits from likes and views and all of these things. People can get addicted to their phone and that's not necessarily the best thing. However, it also gives you access to people that you would have never had access to before. I mean, think about this. Just 20, 30 years ago, you could never get access to multimillionaires, billionaires hearing their advice unless you were in those circles. But now with YouTube, with social media, with podcasts like this, you can actually get access to some of the greatest minds on the freaking planet. And so even if you your current environment right now is not conducive for success, you can consciously choose to check out of that environment and start living in a different world by listening to podcasts like this, by going and following different YouTube channels and, and by seeing you know different people on Instagram. And you can see that, number one, as either a again, like almost like a distraction where people sometimes just consume content and they don't do anything with it. You know, I think that's a problem that happens. But what you can also do is you can also see that as inspiration because you know if they can do it, you can do it. And then you start to take pieces of advice from these people. It's like, ooh, that was really good. I'm going to take that. That was really good. I'm going to take that. And that's what I started doing is I just started to looking looking for as many people that I could find that had what I wanted. Like if you didn't have the results that I wanted, I wasn't going to listen to you. Just like you're not going to take fitness advice from a 400-pound person. Why would I take financial advice from somebody who's freaking broke, right? Yeah. And so I was like, how can I? I find people who are rich and they're on the internet and they're giving away the advice for free. Most people are either not listening to it or they're listening to it and not applying it. And so if you just listen to it and you apply it, it puts you ahead of almost everybody else. And so what I found is that success was not something that was like extremely difficult necessarily to go out there and do. What is difficult about it is I think making the decision. Cause I think life is about a direction. Either you're growing or you're dying, right? And, and it's like the hardest part yeah, it, it's facts, man. It's like the hardest part is making that decision and being like enough is enough. And you plant the flag in the ground and you say, I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to freaking do this. And all of your energy shifts. And like, there's this cosmic shift in the freaking universe, you know, where things will just start happening for you. Like when I made that decision in that moment, in that freaking drunk tank. I had no idea how I was going to do this, but I knew I was going to do it. And then randomly I get a DM from a friend. He introduces me to this guy who's making 40 grand a month. And it led to one thing and another thing. And it took me time. I had six months of struggle, pain, anxiety, because I had to leave all my old friends. My girlfriend broke up with me. My grades started to absolutely tank. I didn't even have money to start the business. So I had to get a loan from my parents to get started with it. They gave me the money to teach me a lesson that these things don't work. You know, like it was, I, I dealt with, all this stuff, but it didn't matter because I already made the decision that I was going to make it happen. And I didn't know again, I didn't know when, but it was like, I'm going to work until, okay. Until I make the results. And if you just make that decision, I'm going to get it. And I'm going to do it until, and you don't know what until is. It could be six months. It could be a year. It could be five years. It could be a freaking decade, but you know, if you just stay focused on it, it's going to happen. I think that that God will just start moving things in your life and um, and and you start to attract things. You start to put out a different frequency and just amazing things can really start to happen. So that's that's what I would say with that. Well, it's 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 really amazing how you 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 know you really broke it down. You mentioned how God will make things work for you and obviously you mentioned there's something that I really want to dwell on for a minute. You mentioned here that you have to lose your friends. 
you were to lose your girlfriend. And as a young, as a young individual between the ages of 19 to run about probably 24, 25, these are things that we literally place a lot of importance to. These are things that really affect us mentally, physically, spiritually, and otherwise. You know, having that great girlfriend in your life that you truly love and having those great friends that you can have a drink with, that you can have a meal with, that you can do some crazy stuff with, right? And you had to let go of all of that to birth the new you, all right? And obviously that could have been very painful. That would have been really, really hurtful for you to just, you know, now you've lost your girlfriend and you've like sacrificed your relationship with your girlfriend at the, you know, at that very young age, which is something that you really need, you know, because, you know, I was once a young guy too. And I remember at the age of 24, you know, my girlfriend meant everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> and my friends yeah. meant everything. So making that decision and that transformation to go for wealth creation, to go for the money, how, you know, did that affect you psychologically? And obviously, how did you manage to turn that around? You know, as we start to talk about the numbers now, how, obviously, how did you make that transition to go up to 10, 10 million pounds in sales over your last 10 years in your career? But I really want to know how that played a huge part on you, giving away your old friends. Because I always say this, you can't give what you don't have. And in order for you to get something new, you have to give something old away. I say this all the time. So, and yeah. this is on, again, another proof that you have to give something all the way to get something new. In order to become wealthy, you have to go out of your old environment and get into a new environment. And you've just identified and confirmed that saying that I completely believe in. So mm. how did that make you feel? And looking backwards now, you know, you're 30 years old, looking backward like six, seven years ago, and now you've done over 10 million pounds sales, on social media and digital marketing, how did that play an impact on you? Do you regret giving away those old friends to, to, to give better the life that you enjoy today? So tell, tell me about it. Yeah, um, no, short answer. And <laughs> definitely don't regret it at all. I, I'll say this, it was one of the hardest decisions that I'd ever make in my life. It was, it was very difficult, especially at that age when social status among your peers is really what everyone is going for, at least for me. I really cared what people thought of me. I really did. That's what got me into partying and doing all this stuff in the first place. I didn't grow up with that stuff. It was that it was what all the cool kids did. And so naturally I wanted to be cool. So I went out there and did what they went out there and did. And so what happened for me though, is that I realized that if I, you always hear these phrases, you're the average of the five people you hang around with most, you know, da, 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 right? Everyone's hears it, but no one applies it. You know what no. I'm saying? It was like, <laughs> I heard it and I actually applied it. Like I literally just looked at my friends and I'm like, this is not good. Okay. This is not good. This is not going to get me to where I wanted to go out there and be. And so I, I just made a decision. You know, I just said, you know what? Like if you are not on the same path as me, like you do you, you do your thing, you know, but it's like, I've got to go and do my thing. And I also, I put my reputation on the line. Like I, I blasted about this business all over social media. I told the world what I was going to go out there and do. And so I made all this pressure on myself that I had to go out there and make this happen, which again, kind of like, cause I made that decision in that direction where it was like, I didn't really care what I had to give up to get there because I knew if I was going to get something I've never had, I was going to have to do something I had never done, yeah. right? If you want things in your life to change, you have to change things in your life. 
And it's these simple shifts, right? Like you talked about, you had to give something to get something and it's a fact. And so when I looked at my friends and leaving them, that was really hard. But what I was really blessed with is that I also found new friends. You know, I found new people. Like, it's not like you never have friends again, right? It's like, you just get new friends. And quite frankly, it's, it's, we were doing similar things. We still had fun. We still had drinks. We still did this stuff. But if you listen to the conversations, if you listen to like who, like what we talked about and what we prioritized, it was totally different. You know, when we're having drinks, we're talking about our business. We're talking about different strategies. We're talking about our goals, our dreams, our aspirations. All my other friends were in the frat. They were, they don't even know what they're talking about because they're blackout drunk the entire time. Their only goal is to get drunk and then tell stories about how drunk they were the next morning. That was a, that was a habit. Okay. That is what we did. And so I knew that was not going to get me to success. So I had to make that shift. And then in regards to the girl, that was tough because I was dating this girl for like three and a half years, four years before this. And so it got to the point though, that I has, I was putting so much energy and time into my business that she made me choose between her and the business. And so I had to make a choice, you know? And, and again, because I made that decision that I was going to make this happen, no matter what, I made the choice to let her go and go and build my business. And again, is it easy? No. No. Right. But it's like, Mm. it's simple. It's simple. And, and so I think that success is really doing the right things long enough consistently, you know, and if you do those things, you can go out there and, and really win. But I'll say this, most people aren't willing to sacrifice. Most people aren't willing to change. Most people will watch this podcast. They'll listen to it. They go, oh, that's really good. That's great. And then they're going to go home and go back to playing video games, smoking weed, hanging out with their friends and their life's never going to change. And then they're going to wake up in five and 10 years and be like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And then they start to blame the world and blame them circumstances for why they can't be successful rather than looking in the mirror and be like, it is my fault, right? You make your choices and then your choices make you. Yeah. Wow. 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 I really love that. I really love that. Now, great, 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 great. I think I'm moving to the next one now. So from the age of 23, how did you literally start in sales with digital marketing that obviously the last couple of years, now you're 30 to doing over, you know, around about 10 million pounds in sales. Tell us about that. Yeah, good question. So it actually it actually all stemmed from my first business venture. So from 19 to 23, I was in that affiliate marketing business, marketing a health and wellness product, and we freaking crushed it online. Um, we learned how to be able to build a brand, in, and this was in 20... 20- 12 to like 2015. Um, and so people weren't really doing this stuff at this time yet, you know, but we learned how to do this on Instagram and on Facebook. And we built a huge sales organization of like 10,000 people. The business was doing like $10 million a year in revenue. And, you know, I was personally at, you know, the age of, I hit six figures at 20, multiple six figures at 21. And by 23, my business was doing $10 million a year in revenue. Quite frankly, I thought I was retired and I was never going to have to work again for the rest of my freaking life. You know, when you're making 50, 60 grand a month residually at 23 years old, you feel like you're a king, you know? And, um, and so I though had a hard rude awakening because one day I woke up and that business that I was an affiliate for went out of business. And so my paycheck went from 50, 60 a month to nothing overnight. Okay. And so it was a huge wake up call to me because now what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life now wasn't even there anymore. And so I had to go and figure something out. And so when I started to reflect on what I could do next, I tried a, you know, a few things and they kind of worked, kind of didn't. But the big thing happened when I started to realize that, wow, 
I can teach other people how to do what I did. You know, what I was able to do is grow a brand and monetize it on social media. And so it's like, what if I could teach other people how to do that? This is back in like 2017. And um, I had the relationship and the connections. And so that's what I started doing. And that's really what kind of propelled me around the, the direction of growing this marketing agency. And on top of that, I also knew that like, this is the future, right? I, I think that we live in an attention economy and the people who have the most attention are going to eventually make the most money. And I think there's a lot of people who are now awake to that and aware of that, but especially a lot of like older business people that have kind of like didn't grow up in this internet society. They know this is the future. They just don't know how to do it. And so someone like me who had already done it was uniquely qualified to be able to teach other people to do it because I'd done it. Like it's not like you can go to school and learn this stuff, right? You can't major in it, right? Like it's changing so fast. So the only way you can learn it is by getting in the trenches and doing it, which again, gave me a kind of competitive advantage in the marketplace where I could really be able to serve people on a high level. Wow, wow, amazing. I really love what you said there. So over the last couple of years that you've done all different kind of things, and now what you're looking to do is obviously help a lot of people. And you really focus and center this last part of this conversation into brand. Why is it so important for an entrepreneur I'm in the real estate industry. So over the last couple of years, I've been able to build a strong brand in business generically, not just specifically property, because the reason why I chose that is that property itself, it's quite intense because it's something that you touch, you feel, you hold, you kiss it, you do whatever you like with it because you can mm. feel it. Now, that enough is not going to give you the ability for investors to work with you or that enough is not going to give you you know, a lot of uh, opportunity to obviously leverage, you know, uh, you know, you know, to build in that business. So I discovered through business coaching, all right, with my previous, one of my, you know, previous men mentors. And he said, listen, the only way you can, you can do this and build it to the next level is for you to build a brand. And within my community, so I run the wealth and business network and community here in, the, in London. And one of the things I keep showing people these days is like, listen, if you don't have three things as an entrepreneur, number one is brand, number two is marketing, number three is sales, you will not grow and you are going to run out of money. So yep. number one is your brand, marketing and sales. If you don't bring these three things together, you are going to run out of money as a property investor. And now one of the other things I also say as well, in as much as good to build a brand because a lot of people build brand and then they don't know how to monetize it. A lot of people can have huge following on social media and they're just they're excited about the likes and the comment. And maybe if you earn the status of the actual platform like TikTok, like Instagram, like Facebook, maybe you can monetize a little bit here and there. But there are so many deeper levels in monetization of your brand. You know, just exactly this podcast, I've been doing this podcast for two years. And this year, January, we have three sponsors now. And this podcast, God willing, we're about to close three of our sponsors looking to invest almost about 15 to 20,000 pounds of sponsoring it, right? But it took me two years to get to that level because this podcast is going to be two years old next month. So without the brand around it, probably I would not even get to the level where this can be, uh, we'd be able to promote it and sell it to those who are looking to sponsor with us. So the brand is everything. Does that make sense? Now, if I didn't have the appropriate brand, probably you would not be on this podcast as well because everyone is doing podcasts, but you don't want to be on the wrong podcast. You want to be on the right podcast for you as well because it's a win-win collaboration. So talking about brand is something I'm a very, very massive ambassador of, but obviously it yeah. costs a lot of money to build a brand. So for entrepreneurs who are listening to this, 
Now, let's break it down. Why is it so important? Having said everything that I've said, why is it so important as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, even in property, maybe you might want to tailor this to property a lot. Why is it so important to build a brand and why should anyone come to you to build their brand? Yeah, great question. So first off, why is it so important to build a brand? The reality is that we are in an ultra competitive marketplace. Mm. There are a lot of property managers out there and they're all going to the same pool of potential customers and they're trying to say, hey, work with me. And so the question you got to ask yourself is why would anyone choose you versus everybody else? And people are like, well, I'm really caring. I'm kind. I'm disciplined. I'm focused. I get up. Da, 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 da. Okay, great, great, great. That's all the things that you say about yourself. But it's like those people don't know you, right? They maybe did a Google search or a social media search. They looked at your card or something like that. And so it's like they don't perceive you to be credible versus let's just give it to, I'll give it, I'll, I'll, I'll simplify this actually. So let's say there's two people competing for a property and they say, I want to be your property manager. There's one person when the guy Googles them, here comes a bunch of positive articles coming up in, in big publications like, you know, Forbes or Yahoo Finance or whatever, talking about how oh, this guy's a fantastic property manager, how he's helped so many people. You go to his social media account, here's countless testimonials of the people he's been able to help. He has a big following. He's putting out quality content consistently, helping and giving advice around property management. And that's this person over here. And then there's this person over here and you Google them and nothing comes up. You go to their social media and they have 300 followers and a couple pictures of their kids. As the customer, which person would you rather work with? Of course, it's going to be the person that has all the articles, that has all the content. They have the social proof. Why? It's not necessarily because that person is the better option. It's not, right? It doesn't mean they're actually more credible, but they are perceived to be more credible. And that's the interesting thing in this world is that it is about perceived credibility. And so if people do not perceive you as an expert in your space, if they do not perceive you as the person that can help them get what they want, they are not going to trust you. And therefore they are not going to work with you. They're instead going to go towards the person that they perceive to be the one who can help them ultimately get what they want. And so right now, this perception is an online reputation. And so if you are not consciously curating your online reputation, you are leaving it up to the customer's imagination to determine how successful and how good of a person you are to work with. And that is not a good idea. Mm. Instead, what you want to do to remain competitive is you have to position yourself as the expert in your place, as the expert in your market. And then that's when you can start to get, you know, a lot more, a lot more trust within that. And so that's, that's why I think it's important to build a brand. And then you asked me a second question, but I forget what was the second question again? The second question was basically, just summarizing the first question, because as an entrepreneur, it's very important to build a brand, but obviously a lot of people don't really think about that because it's quite expensive to build a brand. It's not, right, cheap. Yes, fact. It's not, yep. it's not cheap to build a brand. So, and the last question there was, why should anyone come to you because you're a brand expert, you're, you're a digital entrepreneur, you help people build a brand, you give people strategies on how to build a brand. And I promote this all the time within my community. In fact, I think our, the time for our, you know, largest concluded wealth and business networking event was about visibility, was about building a brand. Because over yeah. the last couple of years, I have been able to work with investors that invested about $1.5 million, sorry, 1.5 million pounds. Okay, I'm saying to you in America. So over 1.5 million pounds in my business has allowed me to continually expand and grow my personal property portfolio. 
And right. I talk about this all the time on social media. And a few people has actually come to me, but you don't need, you don't need to be social proof. You don't need to have a brand to do what, you know, what you need to do. But then again, you said it all. If for someone that is being found on media, someone that's got a podcast, you know, someone that's got all these different elements of credibility and the one that is maybe a bit quiet, but deemed more credible, who are you going to work with? Basically what that means in my own of, in my own way of processing this information is that if you do a Google search on the best guy and you find the best, you find, you find the other guy more, you find the other, basically what's happening here is that you're waiting for the buyer to make a decision. And most time, everybody wants to buy and not being sold to, but the, with the current market that we have now, buyers don't make up their mind. You help them make up their mind to buy because there's so many noises out there. And you want yeah. to be on top of the food chain, not on the bottom of the food chain, leaving that decision to be made by the buyer. So you have to do what you can to making sure that you have a brand around what you do. And obviously credibility, testimonials, so that people can actually maybe want to invest with you as a real estate investor, or people want to obviously uh, work with you to actually buy your service, which obviously brings you know, cash flow into your business month in month out. And that was just what I was just saying on that second question. And that, that yeah. question then led to basically, why should people come and work with yourself who obviously has a massive brand on social media right now? Yeah, great question. So the first reason, and I think really the only reason people should work with me, and the only reason I think you should work with anyone is that I have done the things that I'm teaching other people to go out there and do. There are so many people out there that are, trying to sell a service or sell something that they haven't actually gone and done themselves. And so what do I, what have I done is I have both grown and I have monetized my brand. And you said something that was really, really, um, really good earlier. And, and it was really, really acute. And most people miss this is that usually people have one or the other. They know how to, you know, grow a brand. So these people have millions of followers and things like this. A lot of these influencers, I'm friends with these people and they don't know how to monetize it. They don't know how to actually go and make money from it. So they have millions of followers, but they're freaking broke. And then there's the other group of people who have learned how to build a legitimate business and maybe have millions of dollars, but you look at their online reputation, it does doesn't exist. And yeah. so you have to be able to do both of these things. You have to be able to grow the brand. Yes, get the social proof, but then you also need to be able to know how to monetize that social proof in your specific industry in order to actually go and get an ROI. So if you're going to learn branding from anybody, you need to learn from someone who has already done the thing that you want to go out there and do. Just like what you're doing, right? You're, you're teaching people how to go out there and do, you know, property management, but you didn't start teaching it until you did it yourself, you know? Yeah. And after you figured out how to do it, now I'm going to go and help other people go out there and do it. And way too many people in this world try to get into the coaching role and the teaching role before they actually did it themselves, you know, which is a, a problem, you know, but for me, I have not done that. I have done this, you know, many times I've worked with thousands of clients. And so I know how this system works and, and I know how to be able to help people not just grow it, but also be able to, you know, monetize their brands at the end of the day. And that's what matters. You know, it's like, you don't just want to spend a bunch of money on growing a brand. And then now you have all these followers, but you're dead broke, right? We want to be able to help you get both. We want you to get the followers. We want you to get the social proof, get the clout, but then also we want you to get a big bank account so you can go make a bunch of money and impact the world and do what the heck you want to go out there and do. 
Wow, wow, wow. Man, Luke, you've been a fire, man. I love the American energy. Every time I have American people on this podcast, the energy and the level is always very up and high in the sky, man. I love it. I just love the way you guys just articulate and you, you just go, you know, you, you know, you just go into, you know, a zone where it's so fast paced and everything else. Now, one of the things I want to ask you before we move on to obviously ending this podcast is basically right now. When, you know, just right now, if you were to tell your 23 years old you, all right, obviously you've been in this game for a while. So we talked about your 19 years old you, and now let's talk about your 23 years old you. Now, if you were to start building this brand and monetizing this brand at the age of 23, what would life look like to you today? The biggest thing that I would tell myself at 23 years old about building a brand is to think in terms of decades instead of days. Mm. When I was younger, I wanted it now. I wanted it now. I wanted it now. You know, I, I thought I was going to be worth $100 million by 25 or like whatever Ooh. it may go out there and be. I was so impatient. And I think it's just a, that happens to a lot of people. But it's like, it's just chill, slow down, okay? Like think in terms of decades instead of days. Rather than planning for how you're gonna make six figures this year or a million dollars this year, start to think about how can I get $10 million over the course of the next decade? Start to think how can I get 100 maybe over the next you know five decades, three decades? And when you start to expand your thinking and you start to sit, think over longer time horizons, you start to attract new thoughts and you start to take actions that are not just gonna give you short-term pay days, but are actually going to set you up for long-term success. And I think that is one of the biggest problems that this generation has, including I'm part of this generation, by the way, is we think too short-term. We're so addicted to these five-second videos all over TikTok and all over these things, and we want things now, okay? But it's like, if you can start to think in decades instead of days, you start to think long-term, you start to be a little bit more strategic with it, that is really where you can be able to make massive wealth. And I'll tell you, anyone that I've met that is worth 100 million million dollars or more. That is how they think. They are not talking about what they're going to do, you know, six months or a year. Yes, they have goals, of course, short-term goals and things like that, but they are really focused on a long-term vision. And oftentimes when people talk about business and you observe the language that they communicate with and you hear the timeframes that they use, you can pretty accurately predict what type of income that they have. You know, if people are talking about like, you know, weekly paychecks or something like that, usually pretty small. Now people are talking about, I'm making X amount per month. Okay. You're making a little bit more money. Now it's like, I'm at a year. Okay, great. You know, it's like, as you grow up on the ladder of income, people start to think bigger and think deeper down the road. And, um, and that is the advice that I would give my 23 year old self. Fantastic. Fantastic. Luke has been so amazing to have you on the wealth and business podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you being here. And fingers crossed, we've got a lot of things that we've planned for the years to come. And I definitely know we're going to be doing something together here in London. And guys, for those of you who want to reach out to Luke, make sure you go and follow him on the social media. Luke, do you want to just quickly give them your handles on social medias? Yeah, absolutely. Just at Luke underscore Hessler, H-E-S-S-L-E-R on basically all platforms. You guys can find me. Fantastic. Luke, thank you so much for being here. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast now, so don't forget to remember, month in, month out, we run multiple live free events. We run multiple live pre-recorded events. So go to our website, 
propertywe.co.uk to register for one of, of our up and many coming up events and to come and spend some time with us, connect with us on social media and we're looking forward to working with you. So once again, it's been a great episode. We've looked all the way from Michigan, United States and we will see you on the next episode. Take care guys and have a fantastic day, week, money, afternoon, whatever time you're watching or listening to this episode right now. Take care. It's Dr. Danny Moses from Property Wealth Education and I'll see you soon. Take care.